Welcome to episode three of the Film Bums podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jack. And with the Oscars quickly approaching, today we are going to discuss and be ranking the 10 films in Quentin Tarantino's filmography. Then we'll begin a spoiler review for the 2019 entry, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, so today we're going to be discussing and ranking the 10 films in Quentin Tarantino's filmography. Quentin Tarantino, I think, easily among both of us, one of our favorite directors. Oh, yeah, he's my favorite director for sure. Yeah, and unquestioned, just master of the craft. Uh, there's some stuff about him personally that people hold on to and hold against him, but at the end of the day, when you just look at his movies, you can't deny uh, the guy loves movies, and he's one of the damn best at making them. Oh, yeah, for certain. Uh, his filmography, um, uh, there's really only nine movies. Most people count the Kill Bill movies as one, but he counts them as two giving him 10 and it's just such a good filmography that even uh, my number 10 is still a good movie i'd say yeah, i don't think no, he's made a bad movie none of these movies on the list are bad or even not worth watching but yeah everything's interesting worth checking out but uh we've got our list of preferences so we're going to be just going back and forth trading one apiece. Uh, if we have one on the list that someone has uh, higher up or a few spots we'll wait to talk about it but uh, kicking off at my number 10, I have Kill Bill Volume 2. You have Kill Bill Volume 2 at number 10? <laughs> yeah, I knew that would be a, wow. okay. a discussion point. So w why do you think it deserves the 10th spot, That's which is I, the I last? Can just, I'll, I'm just going to say now my number 9 is Kill Bill Volume 1. Oh my gosh. It's just This is the pocket to Tarantino that I'm least interested in. So is this it because it's, it's really over the top? I mean, compared to all of his other movies, they this is the most go over crazy. the top. Yeah, this is just it's purely a um, a genre movie. Yeah, he just so goes I, I put genre. volume number two at my eighth spot and volume number one at the seventh spot. Yeah, a little above. Um, I think we can both agree that volume one is significantly better than volume two. Yeah, it just has better scenes, and when I was looking back at it. And just thinking about my favorite parts, they end up pretty much all of them being in volume one. With the exception, I really like that scene where um, they're fighting in the trailer. And she does the, the move and she pokes her eyes out. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the coolest things. It's, watching volume two is just for that reason alone. It's so cool. No, I just, I hadn't seen either of them in a while. I rewatched volume one last night and it does, it Everything I like remembered from the two movies was in that movie. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, this part and this part, and it is, you know, it has, you know, good elements. I don't, again, I think they're both good movies, like quality content. Uh, he just does interesting stuff, like the revealing in part one with her name or passport. Gonna, that we're gonna the last hour of the movie is we know it's gonna happen essentially because yeah. her name's crossed out. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah I think just that. Um, that genre is just the one I'm least interested in. That's why it's the lowest on the list for me. Even in Tarantino lore, it's supposed to be a movie, which is interesting. Yeah. Like, it's so over the top that it's considered a movie within the Tarantino, I guess, universe, mm. you could say. It even has the anime sequence. Like he, yeah. He oh, I completely forgot. Yeah, that, that sequence. Oh, so crazy. So good. So for my number 10, I put Death Proof, but exclaimer, I actually haven't seen Death Proof. It's the one movie on the film that I haven't seen quite yet. Yeah, I really liked Death Proof. I think it's, it gets supremely underrated now. Uh, and then that's why I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, to the it. point I've where heard. people don't go back and watch it because you hear, yeah, it's the one you can skip. 
And it's hard to find, honestly. It's really hard to find. Um, but it, I think it's, it's a, it was a part of the original uh, Grindhouse double feature he did. Um, it's it's exploitation genre is what that's all about, and it's it follows these it's really these four girls, um, and the one of the best characters he's ever invented, Kurt Russell as a stuntman Mike. So where did where did Death Proof rank on your list? Uh, it's number seven. Number seven. Okay. Didn't get too high up, but I I like it more than I think a lot of people do, just because it's a different side of Tarantino. It's kind of the Kill Bill over the topness. Mm. but more in the genre and uh, expression of it that I'm more attached to, I guess, and found more compelling. It's yeah. a lot of talking, a lot of the girls with their feet in the air talking. Yeah, all the clips that I've seen of it, it's total foot point. <laughs> but the, the ending of it is is really worth it. I won't spoil it because you haven't seen it. Probably a lot of people haven't, but Yeah, <laughs> it's worth it for that. I think Death Proof's definitely worth checking out. So for my number nine, I have Jackie Brown. Where did that rank? Yeah, it's my number eight. Number eight. Okay, so because my next two are Kill Bill, so we're we're pretty on track now. Mm. Yeah, so Jackie Brown, it, again, it's not a bad movie, but it feels the least Tarantino-y of all of the movies. And that's interesting because he made it so early in his career. Yeah, yeah. He was I only wonder... like 33 or something when he made it. Like it was, it's after, is it after Kill Bill or before? I think it's before. It's right, but yeah, it's right before. So he had only done uh, Reservoir and Pulp before that, so it was like a weird direction for him to go in. Yeah. And that movie has gotten a lot of respect over the years. People, that one, that one instead of Death Proof has been the one that people like, that's the one people missed in his filmography. Mm -hmm. But it just doesn't uh, stand out to me enough. No, it's very different. I remember the first time I I saw a Quentin Tarantino film and I was just obsessed and I had to watch every single movie. I got to Jackie Brown. It was one of the last ones I watched and I was really disappointed because it didn't seem to like, it doesn't have the same pace. It's it's just very different. Yeah, yeah. Even the, like something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has where it's a slow-paced movie, but it still has that the Tarantino signatures and the feeling that you're watching a Tarantino movie. Yeah. It's... Yeah, no, agreed. So my number eight and seven were Kill Bill. Um, what about you? Um, my number six, my number seven with Death Proof, six is Django Unchained. Six, oh, okay, Django Unchained. Um, that's what I have at number five, so we're pretty close there. Pretty close. Um Django is an interesting one. It's got a lot of... Um, I did a essay on it in school once for racial diversity, which, you know, <laughs> as tone-deaf as that may be for me to have done. Um, it actually raised a lot of questions for me just doing the research about it because a lot of people have problems with this movie. Yeah. And just the way it depicts slavery and the language used in it and the ultra-violence at the end. But I think, again, if you're just looking at it as a movie, it's extremely entertaining. Jamie Foxx is awesome in it. Oh, yeah. One of his best performances. Uh, he just gets to have a blast. And Leonardo DiCaprio, one of his best say. villains. Oh, so, so good. That scene at the end where he, and then when he breaks, his, uh, breaks the glass yeah. and cuts his hand. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, and I just think there's too that much was unscripted, good about that. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That just happened in the moment. He just kept going. Yeah. Oh, so good. And just the whole... The thing with Django Unchained is that, like... It's a period piece, and so people are upset, and they have, I mean, the right to be upset by how graphic it is. It's, but also, it's also clearly satirizing, because yeah. that KKK scene with Jonah Hill and the masks, <laughs> yeah. like, it's hilarious, and it's like, he likes to make these these terrible people, he does it in Glorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he makes these terrible people in the past make, like, absolute idiots, and he wants to embarrass them, because yeah. that's how he feels and wants them to be portrayed on film, like, in my reality, this is how... 
I wanted it to go down. It, that's what Quentin Tarantino does a lot. He ta- he revisits his points in he- uh, history, and he just twists it a little bit and how he'd like it to go down. Like, you see that in, again, in Django Unchained and Glorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It takes real-life events, and then it just flips it on its head and says, mm. what would make a good movie? What would be the What's best the fantasy movie? version of that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Django Unchained, excellent movie. So my number six, I had um, Hateful Eight. I had the little up number four. See, I, I really, really enjoyed Hateful Eight. It's just, I really enjoy all of his movies, so it's hard to rank them. And again, they're all great. Um, yeah, that was, The Hateful Eight was the first one I got to see in the theater. I wasn't, you know, into movies or old enough yeah. even to just walk into Django Unchained or uh, Inglorious Bastards. But Hateful Eight, the first one I saw in the theater. And I think it's just really great. The complaint of it is the first half is slow, and then the second half gives you what you want. Yeah. But I think it's just, he totally just earns that second half with how well thought out and well paced and you're learning about all the characters as you go through the cabin. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's a really good build. Like if when you watch it, it's 100% true that the first half is way slower than yeah, the second is. half. But you have to be paying attention and you do. You learn everything about each of the characters so that when the second half comes and the big reveal happens, you know all the characters and it's flipping it. And like, oh, because the question is who did... You know who did what, yeah, and, the, and who am I rooting for? Too? Exactly. Who do yeah. I ultimately want to get out of this as the good guy? Every every person in the scene, you're you're deciding. Oh, I don't like that person. Yeah. We don't like that person. Oh, and the ending of the hateful eight. Oh my gosh, that last scene when they're on the bed. Oh, oh yeah. It's I think it's really great. Again, kind of got it's kind of gets overlooked. Didn't get any like award. It only won for best score at the Oscars that year. Didn't even really get nominated for much at all. But I think hateful eight is a really good one and uh, shows. I think people are also tired of the Western thing after Django, mm. that he was staying in the Western genre. But I think it plays as a really fun, like, kind of whodunit. Yeah, yeah, no. And the, the narration for that movie is also great, how it's used. Mm. Because sometimes you see movies that are just way overdone, but it's it's done perfectly with the setup of the movie. Like, it couldn't have worked with something like Inglorious Bastards or Reservoir Dogs, and, but the yeah, way that it's set up. And they timed just... it up, but they had a... Uh, intermission for some of the showings like the yeah. road footage that I saw it so that just came in right after the intermission so it was like a reintroducing you back into the movie kind of thing yeah no no great movie uh, my number five I have Inglorious Bastards number five uh, that was my Django Unchained I had Inglorious Bastards at number four just a little off yeah yeah our, our lists are pretty similar here. <laughs> yeah uh Inglorious Bastards. What that movie is so crazy. Super bold decision to have seventy percent of it be in subtitles. Yeah, your big uh, American war movie studio release, and I'm gonna put most of this make people read. So, what was your who's your favorite character in Inglorious Bastards? What was I the mean, best performance? I mean, every, the the scene that sticks out in my mind the most is Michael Fassbender in the underground bar scene when he does the three. Oh, the, the three, wrong way. yeah. That's um, the scene that I that sticks with me the most from that movie. Just the tension, like it's a like, it's a long scene, and you just slowly like can see that mm-hmm. it's gonna go against them, and then the three, you're just like, oh shit. And just the setup. As soon as you're in there, you know that something's yeah, about to go wrong. Immediately. Yeah, the Quentin Tarantino was so good about building tension where you feel like there's a threat because you, as the viewer, know, but you don't get the inside that the character doesn't. So you're just sitting there like mm-hmm. biting your nails. A great Brad Pitt performance. One of his best supporting roles, so, for sure. So good. Everything about that movie. All right. Um, 
Let's see. So number four, um, what was your number four? I had Hateful Eight at four. Hateful Eight. We've already discussed that. Mine was in glory. So number three, I have Reservoir Dogs. Uh, that's that's my number one. That's your number one. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just say Reservoir that. Dogs is so good. Uh, it's it's his first movie, and it's just the, it's the Tarantino movie I've rewatched the most times. Uh, that's what I was thinking when I was when I was making my list. I was just going over the movies that I could rewatch the most, like yeah. that I'd never be bored. I could put it on any time and I'd sit there and watch the whole thing. And the thing with Reservoir Dogs is just it 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 seems way faster than it is. You can watch that movie and it feels like a blink. And of it's an only in like two locations. That's what's crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's you can tell that it was his first movie. The budget's not there, but it's just it's such a Quentin Tarantino movie, even being his first film. Yeah. I think that's why it's my number one, just because you get so much of what he's going to be doing in the future in that movie. Yeah. And just the fact that it was low budget, it's a heist movie where you don't see the heist. Yeah. It's just well, people I, in rooms, and he makes it so interesting, and the dialogue is so good, it's so lifelike. And so he uses music so well to mm-hmm. just bring it back, and that scene where he's tied up in his ear. Yeah, that makes oh the ear scene, it's God. insane. That's so crazy, something that, like I've never seen before up until that point. Yeah, again, Oof. that was something where when it was coming out, there were disclaimers and reviews and every advertising of the movie. Like, there's a graphic depiction of violence in the middle of this movie. Like, you wouldn't see that now. But it was just so crazy for the time that he was doing stuff like this. Yeah. Oh, so good. And, and the cast for that movie. Yeah, the cast, phenomenal. Uh, even Tarantino's not bad in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Reservoir Dogs is an awesome movie. Um, so, my number two, I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, that's my three. That's your that, three? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being number two or one in a few years, honestly, because I really like this movie. It's, so I, I've seen it, I think, five times now. <laughs> yeah, I'm at four, I think. It's so, so good. We'll, get, we'll dive into it yeah. in the uh, spoiler section. but. Um, and what's your number two? Uh, my number two is Pulp Fiction. And that's my number one, Pulp Fiction. That is my favorite movie of all time, though, so... Yeah, and understandably, it's <laughs> one of the I best... I argue Pulp Fiction... Shouldn't be number one. Uh, it's just there's nothing we can you can really say about it that hasn't been said. It just spinning it. You still to this day you do not see movies not filmed in chronological mm-hmm. order. Like it just doesn't happen. And you can watch that movie. I've seen it probably about five or six times, and you can get something new out of it. Yep. Or see it from a new perspective. Follow a different character's trajectory. Like see it all in a different light. Have you ever seen? Um, I think. It's like, a, I, I know that they did a cut of it. I haven't seen that, but I've seen movie posters where it, it switches all the scenes in order so that you could watch it in chronological order. And oh, no, I haven't seen that. It's so That's crazy to just look at how, how you'd follow it. Because, I mean, obviously, you as the viewer, second time watching and so on, you, you put it, piece it together yourself. But, oh, so good. Such a good movie. Yeah, unquestioned uh, masterpiece for Pulp Fiction. Uh, no complaints about it being number one. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has been out for about six months now. It came out in July. Um, and with the Oscars coming up, I thought it would be a good time to do an in-depth review of the film. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Tarantino's ninth film, or ten if you count Kill Bill as separate movies. So the pressure and expectations were high. Getting into the cast, Tarantino... Cut this right. Yeah. Getting into the cast, Tarantino has one of the finest that could be assembled with Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Al Pacino, Dakota Fanning, Kurt Russell, Michael Madsen, etc. Did you know that Victoria 
Pedrini. Um, she plays Love and You, season two. Love she's, You, shout out You. Yeah, You, You's a great show. It's a Netflix exclusive. Check it out. Um, she's actually in it. She has a small yeah, cameo. She cool. plays in the hippies. That. Yeah. Um, so how did you feel about the, the cast, the ensemble? Was there anyone that you would have subbed out or any performances that you thought were? Uh, no, don't kick anyone out. Uh, it's, yeah, as good of a cast as you can want in a Tarantino movie nowadays. Um, the core three, I think all were Oscar worthy. Leo and Brad Pitt got nominated. I even think Margot should have been. She didn't talk a lot, but just the presence she brought to the role. Just every time you watch her, you just felt this magnetism to her on the screen. Like you wanted to watch her watch a movie of herself. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people had controversy with the fact that she didn't have much lines in the movie. But I don't think you have to have as many lines. She has enough screen time and she definitely performs the character Sharon Tate excellent. The thing is, she's the one playing a real person. Leonardo and Brad Pitt are fictional people. They yeah. can say or do whatever. Like, also the Bruce Lee scene, controversial. Yeah. But it's like that, you can argue, is Brad Pitt's imagination. Mm-hmm. Or at least, again, these are fictional characters. And so they can, Tarantino can have them do and be a part of the story how he pleases. But when you're dealing with someone like Sharon Tate, someone who was, like, tragically murdered in the way she was, mm-hmm. you don't want to disservice her anyway or have her, like... I yeah, don't know. I think he's done was... it a lot of bad ways, and I think he chose a really respectful way to go about it. Yeah, I I agree, and her performance was was stellar. And again, not very many lines, but every moment that she's on screen, you just you want to watch. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. So Tarantino is known for his soundtracks, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood doesn't disappoint. Um, songs like uh, Mrs. Robinson, California Dreaming. California Dreaming sequence is incredible. So good. When you when you just think about the soundtrack for this movie, you'll hear songs and uh, they're older songs, but it just triggers a thought in my mind like, oh, Once Upon a Time mm. in Hollywood, and you just think of the specific scenes and and just the fact that he like would play, they'd be driving in the car a lot in this movie. That's when you hear the music, and mm-hmm. he'll just have the ads playing. Like yeah. they'd be in the sixties, he'll just hear like a Coke ad or something stupid like that. Just and they they just listen to it because people would just drive around listening to the radio. You didn't like have a playlist or be switching back and forth you just turned it on and listened yeah I lo- have you checked out the soundtrack for the movie oh yeah of course oh so good and Listen they, they leave the ads in there too which mm-hmm. is so awesome yeah, i really love fun. that it really makes you feel like you're in the movie let's get into some spoilers me i really really like the scene where right after he has the conversation with al pacino's character and he's all broken he's upset because he thinks he's not going to make it he, he gets outside and he starts to cry Brad Pitt puts the sunglasses on him and he says, don't cry in front of the Mexicans. <laughs> and he loses it, punches it, and then you see the, 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 the driver get out. So good. Just that, that Al Pacino time. scene was great, too, the intro to the movie. The cutting, um, you know, a little bit of the Kurt Russell narration. It only mm. comes in, like, twice in the movie. Yeah. This is the first time to cut him off, explaining why Brad Pitt drives him everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but just that whole scene of showing uh, the old roles Leo has done, and you can kind of just tell from that opening scene that he's a uh, actor that's past his prime. Mm-hmm. Like he's in these act, and now he's being offered like foreign movies. Like he's not the young buck anymore in these action or westerns. He's kind of passing on. And you can just tell from this conversation with Pacino, you can just see it kind of starting to eat at him and realize that we're witnessing an actor uh, that's over the hump, but he still thinks he's in the right in the middle of his career. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, some of the scenes that really stood out to me, I really liked all of the cliff driving scenes. Just when he was just <laughs> yeah. mobbing around. Just going around, speeding through the Oh, streets. so good. And he just swerves through everything. And the scene where it it compares their two lives and how 
Leonardo DiCaprio, he's just like so heartbroken about how his career is over and how his life <laughs> is just ruined. he goes his mansion, gets in the pool, drinking margaritas. Yeah, exactly. And then you see Cliff's character and he lives behind the... <laughs> <laughs> lives in a trailer park behind the drive-in theater with his dog. It's such a good just contrast of the perspectives. That, that scene with Brad Pitt and his dog shortly after that too is one of the best. Oh, and it leads... the How it sets up later in the movie yeah when the at the time you just take it as a it's just a really funny like scene brad pitt like just training his dog snapping at it mm-hmm. beating it and stuff it's just like oh it's a nice like mundane character building scene but then when it comes back into play later obviously it, it takes on a whole new meaning it yeah just makes it even better and i really enjoyed the bruce lee fight scene i know that there's some controversy yeah, behind that but it's so but again, I think you can look at it. Brad Pitt to set the setup for that scene. Cliff Booth, he gets on the roof, shirts off, looking in like total like Hollywood cliche moment. Looks in the sunset, and he's like, "Yeah, that makes sense <laughs> yeah. about why he can't get the job." And then you just see him fantasizing this thing that happened. So I kind of read it as that it didn't happen. Like something happened like that, but he did not. You can't dent a car the way he did by throwing somebody into it. Okay. Like it's just not humanly possible. So my reading of that scene is this is he did maybe he did fight Bruce Lee but it didn't go like that he just got kicked off the set for fighting on set but in his mind he did this awesome badass thing yeah and that's I, why he can't be back I've never looked at it with perspective like that I don't know if that's necessarily how it was intended but you could view it that way and that would make sense and if to not, the story and if not the Bruce Lee thing is just like again this is a fictionalized version of Bruce Lee. Yeah. He's not depicting the actual Bruce Lee. He's only in it for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just, and again, it's to serve the purpose of Cliff Booth's character remembering this scene. So that's why I think it's a fantasy is that it's all just centered around his vision of why he's an out of work stuntman. Although this is one of, it's one of the scenes that show Cliff Booth, Booth as like the badass that he is because yeah. it, it really builds to the, when you see him in the final scene and he's kicking ass. Mm-hmm. You have to know that he's capable of that. And again, right before that, it shows him jumping up the walls to get on the roof. Like, it just shows how badass he is. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're told he's a stunt stuntman, but we don't actually get to see it until scenes like that. Anything else that stood out to you? Um, well, just, just staying on the controversial path, uh, the thing about uh, Cliff Booth killing his wife, allegedly, <laughs> yeah. was a big thing. And I think that that was really smart by Tarantino to leave that you kind of just see the boat rocking and he's holding the mm-hmm. uh, gun and you're not sure, like, was it an accident? Did he just kill her? Yeah. And, he got and they don't ever answer anything. And that's just, like, it. a classic thing, like, on the Hollywood in the 60s, like, people were, uh, this so-and-so killed his wife and got away with it. Yeah. And it, it just adds, again, to the thing of where maybe Cliff Booth is not, like, again, we see in the flashback, too, he's not the best guy. Mm-hmm. He's obviously not a great guy. He's done a lot of stupid things, made mistakes to where the point of, He's attached to Leonardo DiCaprio's hip for roles. Yeah. Like an out-of-work actor. He should be moving on, stunt doubling for the new crew. Instead, he's stuck with Leo because he's burned all his other bridges. I think that just adds to that. It just makes it seem like he's not... He's just the hero needed in the moment at the end. Yeah, he's not I mean, necessarily a, the good guy overall. Yeah, no. And he says, you're a good friend. He says, I try. <laughs> I mean, that's really what he is. Yeah. He's a good friend. He's a good friend. Um, Another scene that I really enjoyed was the... um. That Sharon Tate watching the movie. Oh, yeah. It's a great scene. Just People when, who, if you're, like, bored by that or think that could be cut, I just don't understand. It, I, that's the flip side of what we're watching with Leo and Brad Pitt, the struggling mm-hmm. actors in Hollywood. You're seeing um, Sharon Tate is just breaking onto the scene, has her first big movie out. 
and she just has the world in front of her feet, and you can feel the excitement in her going to the theater. And sees her own movie, which you would never see yeah. happen today. Goes you would, by herself middle of the day to yeah, see her own movie. That would never happen. <laughs> anyway, she walks up, and then they... <laughs> They asked to take a picture, and she said, will you stand next to the poster? So we... <laughs> yeah, so people know who you are. Cause, yeah, she's just now breaking out. This isn't, this was a, that movie was, like, not a f- success. Mm-mm. Critically, got ravaged. Like, it was not a good movie, but for her, it's the kickstart of what was supposed to be a promising career for a young actress. And I think that's what that scene really captures. And it kind of, it hurts to watch, and it ties in at the end, too, because you get this kind of fairy tale version mm-hmm. of what Tarantino wants to have happened. But then you know that's not what happened in reality, so you just see what could have been, kind of, and it's like, damn. Yeah, yeah, really sad. But it works with the movie. Yeah, no, 100%. And then let's just get into the ending. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Two hours of build-up and, you know, character moments all leading to... Oh, oh, we forgot the Spawn Ranch scene. Oh, yeah, the Spawn Ranch Ranch scene. Wonderful. You're just so sure that he's dead. Yeah, you're so the entire time until you literally until you walk sure over Brad and he shakes gonna him. Be, yeah, he's gonna be gonna find him that even when he's in the bed. I'm like he's dead in the bed. Mm-hmm. Like you're so sure that's gonna happen. It sets it up perfectly, and it's just like, it's a great gag. And I love how they pay off because you're expecting action or something in that scene. The whole scene is so eerie. I love how in the end when they comes back and the tires fly. Yeah. And he just just beats the shit out of that guy. He, he went there to kick some ass. Yeah. He went and he doesn't like even though. Um, Bruce Dern seems he's obviously like lost it a little bit so he mm-hmm. seems happy but he knows these kids are taking advantage of him so he wanted to leave his mark a little bit yeah yeah no and it's an important scene because it, it shows that's when the characters are introduced to the, the hippies or, yeah because before that they're, they're you're aware that it's going on but they interact you just have Leonardo DiCaprio making comments like those damn motherfucking hippies yeah. scumbags yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Charles Manson crew is just, like, the worst. And, I again, that's, like, we talked about in the rankings. It's what Tarantino does with these terrible people from the past. He wants to depict them in the most unforgiving light. Like, make them look the worst possible, because that's how he sees them. It's like scum of the earth. They did. They murdered a woman that was pregnant. Like, they're And if you're making a despicable. movie, make them scum of the earth. You're, you're yeah, in charge of if everything. If you're rewriting this history, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah, make them fucking trash. They deserve it. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and then the ending is just... It's, he goes full Tarantino, and I've seen people think it came out of nowhere and was unnecessary, but I think he built up to it perfectly, and he earned that ending. To oh, I 100% it feels so satisfying. Everybody knew when you're watching this movie what it was about. You knew that the ending was going to have to be crazy. And again, first time watching it, you weren't expecting... You were expecting stuff to happen to Shane Tate. Yeah. Nothing happens to them, and that's exactly. just a great little movie, Hollywood, you know fantasy land but i i really appreciate how they did that and introduced these characters and just and the, the payoff dog, the is dog so, thing we talked about the dog off. the acid cigarette the acid that you see later earlier in the movie acid cigarette is great yeah that scene where great he's just tripping and he goes are you guys real <laughs> uh he said he was devil here to do some devil shit <laughs> yeah so good the flamethrower the flamethrower with the they... very beginning with the al pacino scene and upon rewatching that. it um there's a scene, where, you know, before he cle- uh, fixes the uh, the antenna on the roof. Mm-hmm. When he's putting on the, the belt, you see the flamethrower in the garage. So you know yeah, that yeah. he has it. You just have to Still really there. be looking for it. Now, it, it only bothers me a little bit. Because I had somebody pointed out. I didn't notice it the first time watching it. 
he's flame throwing this girl, right? She's, she's in, in the pool. water. Yeah, she well, could have just she dunked her head. Like, but to be of, fair, she's also just screaming with the knife and my, shooting she's in She's like in shock. She's she like, has no yeah, idea what's going on. That's been my defense of it, but it does kind of stick with me in the back of my mind now. Every time I see it, like, <laughs> why does she just why dunk? She duck in the water. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But uh, regardless, a great ending, and then um, just right after all the violence ensues, you get just the cherry on top, which is Leo. Brad Pickett's taken away to the ambulance. Ambulance, you're a good friend. And then uh, Jay, yeah, yeah, I can't we, remember his last name, but he, the friend of Sharon Tate comes down the steps mm-hmm. to see what happened and ends up inviting him up to meet Sharon. And presumably, what I got from that is like he's gonna get a yeah. movie role out of this. Like this is gonna help his career. He's because he's talking about the whole movie. He wants to. Mm-hmm. He just needs to meet one of these next door neighbors, and that's how he gets his thing. And this is his opportunity. Yeah. And again, it just kind of ties the once upon a time fantasy element. The, bow on top of it the music starts playing and you're like this is what yeah and instead of the the sad truth of what really happened Sharon yeah, Tate you believe nice, that there's gonna be another Sharon movie and... and she's like oh come on up and she's still pregnant yeah really sad when you think about yeah it's a bittersweet ending actually. yeah but it, it's great excellent excellent movie yeah fantastic movie like I said I can see this becoming it's already in a top three Tarantino for us uh, it's gonna compete as one of my favorites for from years to come because it's just already gained such a rewatchable status and just these scenes we're talking about remember them and just you can catch them on tv or something and mm. stop and watch the rest of the movie from wherever you're at it's just one of those type of hangout movies and even discussing it right now i just keep thinking of more scenes and eventually i'm just going to be discussing the entire movie yeah you could just break down the whole movie is i don't re-watching the it there's Hardly any scenes where my attention is lost and I'm thinking, okay, let's just yeah, get to the next Yeah, no one. scenes where you just, like, check the phone or something. Like, the only one that even slightly comes to mind is the first time uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character meets the little girl. The first time when he threw... But yeah, even but then, it's so not great. bad. It's such a great moment. And the that's, little girl that's, is so good in the so, Oh, she's so good. Uh, yeah, and that's just a... Yeah, it's a really sweet moment. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd cut anything. I think it's... <laughs> he calls her pumpkin puss. Pumpkin puss. <laughs> I don't appreciate names like pumpkin puss. I can see you're upset. We'll discuss that later. So how do you think it's going to do at the Oscars? What are your predictions? Do you think it's going to take any? <sighs> when it was come At first, because it came out in July, so it was like the first movie that was a lock for Best Picture. Like yeah. People are seeing it like, this is going to get nominated. And I thought at that time it had a good chance to win, because this is the type of movie the Oscars want. It's mm-hmm. about old-time Hollywood. It's got movie stars in it. Tarantino's a known name. Seems like it would fit the billing, but I think it came out too early. That's a problem. I, I think you're right, because it did. It came out in the middle of the year. And so, yeah, great films have came out after 1917 that. just came out, like, end of December. People were, critics were seeing it. Like, that's... In, they And the voting ends, like, this week or something. That's insane, the short yeah. amount of time. Uh, but I, can, I think Brad Pitt's got supporting actor in the bag. You think so? I think he's won all the awards leading up to it. Golden Globes, BAFTA, he's won it all. I think it'd be a shocking if he didn't win, and I think he definitely deserves it. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the best characters. And I hope Tarantino gets screenplay, because yeah. I think he's out of director. I don't think he's going to win that, and it's out of best picture race. Uh, but for, if he could get screenplay, I think that'd be really cool as well, because I think this movie deserves some recognition. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's going to do it for episode three of the Film Bums podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Going to try to be making the show bigger and better every week. Uh, Just trying to be putting out better, higher quality content for you guys because we look to keep building this thing. Thanks again so much for listening. And remember, 
keep watching those films, bums.